Hello and welcome to The Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, boy, it's a, it's a trip being here uh, just on the other side of the world. Uh, this Internet has just blown my mind because I'm not a uh, I'm not. It's amazing. I even figured out how to get here. Nancy uh, helped me. And then she wanted to uh, wanted me to check if she did the time right, and I came up. It was two or thirty in the morning my time, so I ca- I couldn't even do that. She asked me my sobriety date, and I missed it by a year. My wife had to correct me. So the, the kiss thing is, is just uh, keep it simple, stupid. Uh, that's that's just uh, I, you know I don't mean to offend anybody or myself, but I did a uh, I, I shared my story with uh, Daniel T. And he said, what do you want on your tombstone? Keep it simple, stupid. And I said, I hope so. You know, the reason being is. Uh, every, every time uh, anybody talks to me, pictures turn. I mean, words turn into pictures to me. I visualize everything everybody says. Uh, I, I read I read the readings every day and I can't remember what I read. Uh, in a book study, I can't re- I, I can't retain that kind of stuff. And so I was never able to figure out the, uh, the program. And, uh, you know, I, I started in Al-Anon, uh, in 1975, I think. And, uh, I found a higher power there <clears throat> and, uh, I couldn't say the word God, uh, because of this disease. And, uh, I felt so ashamed and I, I was, I wasn't just a sexaholic. I was a thief. And, uh, so I had all that going. And so I called my higher power, George, like pass the buck, let George do it. And I can say the word George. And then, um, when I bought my home, it was a hundred years old and it was a wreck. It was an abandoned house. And there was a black doorknob, uh, just stuck on the wall. And uh, I remember now and on, they say, uh, you know, God will open the door and blah, blah, blah. So I started focusing on that doorknob and thinking about God. And that's how I got started with a higher power. And, uh, and, and later that changed to God. But, uh, you know, all the, they have a second step inventory and all that. And, in, in you know, I, I couldn't do the four step inventory in AA's book, you know, Mrs. Brown, da, 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 guy fired me. What did that have? To, I couldn't put that together. And even today, when I read it, I get, uh, I get like nuts, you know, it drives me crazy. So, uh, my second step was I had a, I had a problem with a higher power. I thought it was uh, feminine to believe a weakness and, uh, and we had a guy in town. He was an AA member. He had a nice house and uh, his handle was Filthy Fred. And uh, so I went by his ice house one day. He was upstairs and I said, hey, Fred, do you believe in God? And he just said, hell yeah. I just talked to him this morning and something clicked with me. If that old guy could do it, I could do it. And so I decided for six weeks, I'll kick the doubts out and hang on to the program. And to me, that's that was the beginning of my second and third step right there. 
Uh, and then when I got to SA, uh, my sponsor, he was a priest, and uh, he said, Mike, he said, turn your program over to God and you'll be doing exactly the right thing at the right time. And, uh, and boy, that sounded good to me, you know, something easy. So I, I did the steps as best I could. Uh, you know, when I did a, a four step, I did it with the AA guys because I didn't have a sponsor in Al-Anon. I didn't trust myself with women. So I did it with some AA guys. And I remember those guys saying, you could do your four step on a matchbook cover, just write down the three things you're going to take to your grave. And that, that I like that, you know, but I, I did a, a four step as best I could. I did two of them in Al-Anon and, uh, and I, and I put down the things I did wrong. You know, I was a thief. I cheated on my wife, uh, all the bad things I did, but I did not see one character defect, which is a survival technique gone astray. And I think the reason I didn't see any, my attic brain was doing the inventory and it's not going to reveal that stuff to me. It wants to keep that, uh, away from me. My brain will do anything it can to keep me from the very people that'll save my life. So as I progressed, I, I, I was all over the steps in SA, you know, uh, and, and, and I'm not saying this to, you know, I always feel like I'm inadequate when I speak because I can't explain the steps. I don't have any intellectual thing, but I have experiences and my experiences don't match like the quote, uh, how it should be. You know, I was still struggling trying to get sober in SA and I wound up making amends. Uh, I was listening to Chuck C. I was, I'm a long haul trucker. And uh, Chuck C said, if you want to set yourself free, make those amends. And, and I pulled right off the road in a truck stop and called the guy uh, to make amends to him. And uh, it took all afternoon because the guy was fishing and I kept calling. I'm real compulsive. So I drove over his wife nuts. I called every 20 minutes. By the time he got there, I was pissed off at him. You know, I wasted a whole day and uh, I didn't care about the guy. Uh, in fact, I was hoping he would die before I had to make amends, uh, because I owed him money, but I got a hold of the guy and I made amends to him. And I said, I'm going to start paying you back. And he said, when, and right there, I thought, well, there goes your interest, buddy. I mean, I'm just, I have always had a bad attitude. So I made amends to the guy and, um, and then I got overwhelmed with, uh, incomprehensible demoralization because I was making amends for the same thing my brother did to a family member. And I judged the crap out of my brother all my life that I was superior over him. And that was devastating. That was one of the most painful things I've seen in recovery. It smashed my ego. And, and, uh, so that was doing the thing, the right thing at the right time for me. Uh, and, and my whole program has been that way. You know, I only read conference approved literature. My house looks like a library with self-help books. Every, 12-step program in the world my wife has books on it and uh, she's in like four different programs and uh and and she's just an astute uh journaler and reader and i mean she's just into recovery a hundred percent she goes to like five meetings a week for the last 47 years and um and i went to meetings because i should you know and uh always felt inadequate but anyway i was talking to a guy the other day and it took me a long time to get the program. You know, the reading today, right at the bottom, it says, God help me be humble, open-minded, and willing that I may grow. And those are the things I didn't have. I was contempt prior to investigation. You couldn't tell me anything. And I had no humility. And I judged everybody, uh, you know, uh, 
when I got into recovery, uh, a good friend of mine started, he became a friend and uh, about, I don't know, five months later, he lost his sobriety. And um, I thought, good, I just moved up a notch in seniority. You know, it was all about, uh, I'm going to get mine. I'm going to beat you. I'm, it was all that competitive stuff. And I told my sponsor about it. And he says, Mike, even if you win the rat race, you're still a rat, you know, and that hit home to me. So I came in here haywire, 180 degrees off on everything. And I, and I had no idea about it, you know. Uh, so that's the stuff that I haven't learned by doing inventories, uh, working the steps and all that stuff. I never saw my real problem. And, the, the, uh, I, and, I, and it's probably common sense to everybody else, but it wasn't to me. I learned more about myself in the 10th step. You know, uh, because I just I, I just back myself in a corner and uh, and I'll fight it to the death. I don't quit. And then when all when I fail, then I finally say, OK, God, let's see what you got, you know, and uh, and, and it's, it's I don't know. Anyway, it works for me. I have to keep it real simple. I can't analyze myself. You know, my sponsor says, what's your motive? Well, that'll drive me crazy. I don't know what my motive is, you know. Uh, yeah, I, I just can't figure anything out. And then on the page, uh, top of page, I think it's, oh God, 58 or something. It says, you don't have to understand any of this to recover in the white book. And that really helped me because God has done for me what I couldn't do for myself. I did my best. It was a crappy job, but, uh, man, I got sober, you know, uh, I was in the program. I went to like three meetings. The only reason I came here, I'm going to jump all around, but uh, I left my wife for another woman and uh, way back. And uh, we got to back together and I, I, I swore I'd never cheat on her again. And by my standards, basically what that meant, I, I just didn't sleep with anybody that we both knew <laughs> that was it was crazy but that was my balance that's why i can't be in the other s program i cannot set my sobriety definition but anyway my wife uh she knew there was something wrong and uh she called aa in in um, los angeles she didn't know whether to call los angeles or new york you know their uh, their uh, office and she called aa in la for some reason and she said, my husband's obsessed with sex. Is there anything, anybody? To, and that's where Roy K was. And the lady says, yeah, let me give you a number. And um, so she got the number and called it. And uh, a guy answered the phone and she talked to him for a little bit. And she said, I think I need to be talking to your wife. And uh, he said, okay. She, he said, she's nine months pregnant. She'll call you tomorrow. And that made my, life, well, my wife laugh. But anyway, she gave me the number when I got home and I called that guy and uh, I couldn't believe the honesty he had. My God, you know, just mentioning the word masturbation, that's just something I would never tell anybody. And uh, his honesty was unreal. And then uh, I got to my first meeting. It was in Portland, Oregon. And uh, I walked in there and there was only like five guys and they went around the room and said the nature of their addiction. I started to cry. And they said, are you okay? And I said, yeah, I, I just figured if I didn't fit in here, I'm screwed, you know, and I totally identified. And then there was a guy in there that said, uh, he said he was in a peep show or something and then went out to a phone booth and masturbated. And I thought, what the hell is he telling us that for? That sounds stupid. 
And the next guy says, I want to thank uh, Bob for his honesty. And I thought, oh, boy, this is a different program. This is uh, this is honest here. And uh, and and I couldn't believe the honesty in those rooms. And, and you know, where I'm from, we do say the nature of our addiction in our meetings and all that stuff that was so shameful and painful now is like, uh, yeah, that's the disease. And it doesn't hurt anymore. It doesn't sting. Uh, you know, that's not who I am. That's what the disease did to me and have me doing. And I believe that uh, I was a sick person and I'm getting better. And uh, and because I, I work with a lot of guys that are just beating themselves up because they can't get sober, you know. And uh, I remember I, I, uh, I fantasized all the way to New York and I was going to act out in a rest area up there. That's part of my... Uh, my uh my acting out is crossing gender lines and when i got there it was four days fantasizing about it god i couldn't wait to get there and i got there and it was like 18 below zero and uh i was on the running board of my semi truck naked exposing myself to a guy peeking out from behind a tree and uh i saw my wife's face and my children's face in front of me and the thought was wouldn't they be proud of me now and i got back in my truck but I could not not act out, and uh, and and it and it made me mad. It was it was the first time I acted out when I didn't want to. Usually, all the other times I wanted to, but at that moment I didn't. So the next day, I called my sponsor and and I said, um, "What did you?" And this guy had been with me for five years in SA, and uh, and five of that I was sober. Uh, God lifted my obsession to masturbate or cheat on my wife, and. Uh, and I thought I did it. So I thought I was smarter than everybody else. So I didn't take care of it. And uh, anyway, I lost that sobriety and then I couldn't get sober for a year. And this was at the end of that, not getting sober. And I called my sponsor and I said, I can't get sober. And he said, of course you can't. That's God's job. But he said, you just keep doing uh, what you're doing and you're preparing yourself for God's gift. And, and what he told me to do was read a paragraph out of the white book every day read it. It was Answers in the Heart, the book, <clears throat> a Hazleton book. I still read uh, a daily reader and uh, say the third step prayer, the seventh step prayer, sobriety commitment and call him. And I did that. And, and, uh, and I thought when I'm serious, I'll kick this thing in the butt, you know, and I was serious and even doing what it was suggested didn't work. And I never felt so forlorn when he said, of course you can't, that's God's job. But I did get sober about a year after that. And, uh, the, the, it, it's just, uh, I didn't do it. You know, I think by the time I got sober, I knew I didn't do it that five years. I thought I did it. And, uh, and I was smarter than you guys. You know, I, I only came here, you know, uh, I didn't want to cheat in my marriage anymore. That's all I came for. And I didn't come here to, uh, change my whole life or believe in, you know, have God run my life, uh, and slowly over the years, that's what has developed. It's like, uh, you know, every time I pray, I think I change a little bit. Every time I pray, I believe a little bit more. Uh, every time I call my sponsor, I hear the message and it's never, uh, what I want to hear. You know, I've had four sponsors and every time I called them, it was either about work or my wife. And I've never had one of them support me on, on, on my complaining, you know, and, uh, my wife and I've been married, uh, for 50 some years. I left her for another woman 
when we got into recovery, I hated her because she drank and ruined my life and she got sober and I still hated her for that same reason. And she said, Mike, I quit drinking uh, and you still hate me. Why don't you try Al-Anon? So I did. And that got me started. Uh, but I mean, this is the best we've ever been, you know, uh, the, our life together. I care about her. I didn't think I loved her. I had a lot of deals going. I didn't know if I was gay because I crossed gender lines. So I asked a gay friend of mine, how do you know if you're gay? You know, and he said, oh, does a man's body do anything for you? Nope. And he said, well, you're not gay. Well, wow, that was a relief because I didn't know because of my acting out. Uh, I was molested by an uncle. And I think uh, so I thought I was gay and I wasn't. And then I tried to convince my wife I was gay. So she'd leave me when she, in our 30s and she wouldn't leave. And uh, so I was all messed up when I got here. I didn't know if I loved her. And uh, Chuck C., you know, what, what's the definition of love? And he says, you're not going to like it. It's doing something for somebody because you want to. And I thought, wow, I'd give my life for my wife or my children. So I must love them. I didn't know, you know, uh, this disease with my brain. I have a hard time telling what's real and what isn't real because I live in my head all the time. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, do the next right thing shit sometimes i have to flip a coin because i can't figure it out you know i figure if i flip a coin at least i'm not making the decision and that's an improvement for me it just stuff like that you know and uh <clears throat> god i bounced around too much i lost myself here uh i i read the other day that uh you know getting rid of resentments and acceptance it's not an event it's a process and that's how i've gotten my recovery through the process of running up against the wall, surrendering, and then seeing the solution. In my 60s, I was uh, 30 days from going bankrupt. I had a business, I couldn't sell it. It was a mess. And uh, and I was driving 750 miles a day to support that business. It was shut down, but I still had a payment on it and pay for my truck payment and everything. And, and I, I just, you know, I did that for eight years. and. Uh, I finally gave up one day in Texas and I said, God, if you want me to go bankrupt, I was just full of fear in my stomach and everything, just sick. And I said, uh, I'm praying for the willingness to go bankrupt, if that's your will for me. And he lifted all the fear totally instantly. I've been sick for eight years. He lifted it all. And I couldn't believe it. And then I laid back in my bunk. I wasn't even on a bed yet. And, uh, and this big voice came. Uh, you mean to tell me you don't believe that God knows exactly what he's doing with your life? And then he left. <laughs> and I thought, holy shit, I got onto my bunk and I could have done cartwheels across the parking lot in that truck stop. And then two weeks later, he sent the buyer, you know, and my sponsor, one of my sponsors, an Al-Anon sponsor said, Mike, when the lessons are learned, the buyer will come and you won't even have to have it listed. And that is exactly what happened. So that proved to me that that sponsors, God, my God speaks to me through my sponsor. There was no way that lady could have known that was going to happen. And the the day, the, the, the lady that bought it, I threw her off the property a year ago. You know, I wanted to keep it a secret that I was selling it. I didn't want to spook the customers and she's blabbing. So I said, I don't want you on here, you know, unless you got the money to buy it. She called me and said, Mike, would uh, would you sell me that building? And I said, yeah. And the day she showed up, three people walked in to buy it while she was there. Now, that's God because nobody would have been off the market. So that was a good one. And that changed me as far as I gave God me that day in Texas.
you know, I'd been saying that third step prayer forever and I did it on little things, but that day, I, I think that was my third step experience, you know, that I actually gave him myself. You do with me what you want. And, and when he did it, I didn't care if I went bankrupt or not. He lifted all that fear and ego and all that stuff. And then when I was in New York, when I had to act out, that was my first step experience. And that was like nine years after I did my written first step. So I can do the steps mechanically, but I have to go through that experience to learn the lesson. And that is how my whole recovery has been. I never can get it by studying it or uh, that stuff. I have to go through the experience. And when, and that's why I say, keep it simple, stupid, you know, God knew who he's working with with me and he did step up and do for me what I couldn't do for myself. I have not just sat on my butt and waited for him to do everything. I've done my best, but man, I'll tell you, my best is lousy. You know, my best is, uh, is, is still fighting with people. You know, that thing, uh, that thing that Bill W wrote about, uh, demands, putting demands on people. I, I had demands on my wife to perform. She's opposite for me. She shut down the feelings, so she overanalyzes everything. I don't overanalyze anything. I just make a decision and live with it, you know. And she goes back and forth. It drives me crazy. And I had to, I had to let all that go and just let her be herself, you know, because uh, I have to leave the room if she's doing that, you know. And then she, she said, then she'll say, "What do you think?" Well, there, God, how can I keep my mouth shut on that one, you know? So it's restraining dependent. I go out and call my sponsor, and he said, "Mike, why don't you ask God?" why he's having those people behave that way. And when he said that, I knew she's not doing that to me. If God's orchestrating that and I'm upset, there is a, uh, thank you. There's a, uh, there's a lesson for me, you know, why is God having all these people behave that way? That's driving you nuts. It's me, you know? And, uh, I had a in-law going to call the cops on me one night. I mean, I'm talking like, you know, 20 years of sobriety and I'm over at their house trying to intimidate them because they they're withholding my grandson from me. I lost a daughter and she left a four-year-old boy and these guys, uh, anyway, they, they wouldn't allow me to see my grandson and, and it's going to be over your dead body, you know? And so they're going to call the cops on me. And, uh, so I go home and I told God, I said, God, I don't know what to do anymore. You know, I can't intimidate him. I can't do my normal thing. I said, I'm willing to do whatever you want. Make it clear. And he came to me in a dream and I'm cradling this guy in my arms, my son-in-law. And I never felt such strong feelings of love for anybody in my life as in that dream. And I knew I was to make amends. And he also said, do not tell him why you were upset with him. Just clean up your side of the street. So the next day, I go downtown, I'm going to go to their house and I see their car at the market. And, uh, I walked in and, uh, I said, is Tony here? And she says, no, he's at home. And I said, well, I was just going to go over to make amends to him. And, uh, she said, wow. I told him my higher power told me in a dream, I need to make amends for the things I said about him. And she said, wow, your God came by my house and kicked my ass, which I dearly needed. And these guys are addicts. So God went ahead of me and prepared those people. And they accepted the amends and it healed the relationship. And that that's why I just depend on God so much, you know, because uh, of myself, I'm still a fighter. All that character, it's still alive in there, but it's being arrested over the years of recovery. And uh, the longer I'm in recovery, the bigger my, uh, my higher power gets, you know. And the program has totally taken me over. 
you know, I used to go to meetings because I had to. Now I go because I want to. And one more thing, and then I'll quit. I just went to a retreat in uh, in Portland, and uh, I have never felt. I, I knew these guys from Zoom for the last several years, and I saw them in person. And I actually had feelings for these guys because I'm a shutdown guy and I don't care about people. It was, uh, I feel hope for my heart, like I'm thawing out. And uh, it felt real good to be with those people. And uh, and today feels good. You know, uh, this internet blows my mind, you know, that we're, we're here we are. This is the thing that was a crack cocaine for our addiction and now we're using it for recovery, you know. I mean, boy, you talk about a 180 degree turnaround there. Uh, thanks to God, but I'm going to quit there and, and thanks you guys. Yeah. Hi, I'm Nancy sexaholic. Uh, thank you so much for your share. I really, really liked how down to earth really liked that. Um, what I wanted to ask you was towards the beginning, you talked about having a hard right time retaining, which I can so relate to. Um, and you went quickly through the steps, but then right. You said in 10th step, I just do that every day. Can you talk more about that? Yeah. yeah. The, uh, the, you know, I don't, I don't uh, write out a 10 step every night. I don't have to, cause I'm uncomfortable. If I'm uncomfortable there, there's a signal for me, you know? Uh, and, and, and so I, I have to look and see what the, I usually call my sponsor and it's always the same thing. You know, it's, it's my opinion. I have too many opinions. Uh, I want to, it's, it's a, it's a hit for me from like a adrenaline hit for me to point out your defects, you know, and, and show you where you're haywire. I just, God, that was a drug for me. And I was glad to do it. Like, you know, they say in the, and I know you want perfection too. So I'm happy to point it out, but I just judged the crap out of everybody. And now I pray for them. You know, I used to see a homeless guy. You know, it, it's like, turn your hat around, pull your pants up and go get a job. That's what I thought about them, you know. And my wife is over there giving them cigarette money and talking to them. And I said, you're going to get mugged doing that. And she says, no, they're just like the guys I go to AA with, you know. And so she's taught me to pray for those. She'll see them and I want to judge them. And she said, God bless you, brother. And so that's turned me around, you know. Uh, take the actions of love to improve my relations with everybody. But yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I love to go to speaker meetings and just judge the crap out of the speakers. You know, I mean, that's just what I do. And so now, now at the retreat, I was actually happy for the guys that were sharing. I can't believe the young people in this program, how sincere they are. And they're, they're growing like at, you know, rocket speed and working the steps and, and, uh, man, you know, they, they, they think, uh, Oh, I want to thank the guys that went ahead of us and paved the way for us. I'm glad the new guys are more into it than I was because this program is going to go on forever with these guys. You know, anyway, I don't know if that answers your question, Nancy. Yeah, it does. Thank you very much. Thank you. Kahal, please go ahead. Um, thanks, Mike. It was really great listening to you. I could identify a lot. And, um, yeah, just the insanity of the whole thing, you know. Um, I was going to go into crazy places and uh you know as i was walking across the doorway i'd hear the voice you know you weren't brought up to go into places like this you know this is not the morality you were brought up with and stuff so um i'm so grateful that, that god has you know regard you know well 
I can try and blank my head out with addiction, God's going to keep kind of coming at me with, with reality, really. Um, and, uh, yeah, I was going through a really difficult time in my life right now, and I have to keep keep close to the program, so it's good to be here. And, um, yeah, I really, really like hearing, you know, that the God, God is working around me once you know I just got to stay sober today that's my contract and um, yeah it was great thanks Mike thank you thank you you know I I didn't have to believe in God for him to do miracles in my life you know what I mean he was with me uh, I didn't even have a God I didn't want a God he was always with me he put me with my wife 50 years ago you know oh I, I just look back now and I know he did that you know it had to do with weather and stuff like that. Only things he could control. But yeah, this is the best place to bottom out. I got here nine years before I was ready. My wife was ready and I thought I was ready, but there was no way I was ready. You know, uh, only sex with your with your wife, you know, nobody other. Oh, that was good with me. When they said no masturbation, I thought, geez, they want blood, man. You know, this is a little too extreme. But, uh, but this, I bottomed out in here. You know, I bottomed out because I had the spiritual part going and the addiction and, and, you know, I just, I, I wouldn't leave. I stayed here and the spiritual part won out in spite of myself. Thanks. Thank you so much, Mike. Ken, please go ahead. Uh, thanks, Mike, for your, for your share there. And um, yeah, um, I can totally relate, you know, something clicked in me also in the past we're in. Uh, I have to do this, you know, uh, instead of I have to, now I'm becoming more, I, I want to do uh, the, the work in the program. But still, sometimes I would still see myself like, oh, I should be doing this. I should make phone calls. I should attend meetings. I should, I should. And, and, uh, and that's creating stress in me. And it's like a form of spiritual malady. Uh, so maybe my question is, you know, um, uh, what do I do if, if I'm still like, you know, still in that mode of I have to, uh, and, and, you know, what's, what's a simple way of doing the program that will not create stress in me. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I've been there and I had to pray for the willingness to be willing. I can't even come up with a willingness. You know what I mean? It's like, we all know what to do, but I'm not willing to do it. You know, I, I still got my plan or I don't want to have to do. If I can get that turned around, like it's my idea, then it's not a limitation or it's not a demand. Now I want to, but I got that through prayer, asking God for the willingness to be willing. And uh, every time I pray, I must change a little bit, you know, and uh, yeah, just don't beat yourself up. Because I mean, if we could do it, we would. You know, we can't do it. Of myself, I'm nothing. I finally believe that now. So I bring him into every situation. You know, if I'm confused about something, I, okay, God, make it clear, man. I'm willing to do what you want. That's the key for me that set me free is I became willing to have God do with me what he wants. You know, other than that, I'm fighting everything to stay comfortable. No, but if I'm willing to let him do, if I'm free. I got nothing left to lose, man. I'm free now because I don't care what he does with me. You know, well, that's better than having a deranged truck driver running my life. You know what I mean? I got the guy with all knowledge and all power, but I can't get there on my own. I got to I gotta pray and he will give me the willingness. And he's done that for me, the willingness to do everything I'm doing. You know, uh, yeah, I can't do it on my own. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks, Mike. 
Lucy, please go ahead. Thanks, Luke. I'm Lucy, sexaholic. Um, I loved your chair, um, especially what you're saying, what, you, what you've just said, actually, about um, how every prayer, you're a step, you're, you're, you're growing more, you've grown more with each prayer you do. Um, yeah, I wanted to ask you, it's just been answered a bit in the last question, though, like, what is your step 11 life looking like, like your practical application of it? Uh, sought through prayer and meditation to improve my conscious contact with God. Uh, God's done that for me. He's made SA my life. So all day long, I'm on the phone talking recovery. You know, uh, I talk to God all day long. Uh, you know, when I was used to praying out of desperation and then, uh, I, all of a sudden I didn't have any problems in my life. And, and I thought, shit, you know, what do I do now? So I started doing gratitude thanking him for all the good in my life. Well, everything in my life is good because of him. So I just have a gratitude. I talk to him. I drive 30 miles to my meetings and one of them 60 miles. And on my way to my meetings, I just talk to God like I'm talking to you. Thank you, God. And, and uh, you know, when I say the third step prayer, I feel it. I feel like he's got me in his arms. I mean, man, that's a big thing for me because I thought it was uh, not masculine to believe in God or pray and yeah, I just talk to God all the time, constant prayer. Every time I go to a meeting, I hear something. Every time I say a prayer, I change a little bit, you know, and just living this life of recovery, uh, even in spite of myself, I'm going to change, you know. Uh, I, I, I just tell guys that are struggling, just don't quit, man. Keep coming, keep calling, keep going. To, go to a lot of meetings. Before Zoom, uh, David M. is my sponsor, and I didn't, I, I didn't care for David M. When I, I met him in Tennessee in the 80s, and he was too smart, too good looking. He was sober. And uh, you know what I mean? He was too cool. And uh, he had everything I didn't have, so I didn't care for him. And, uh, and a few years ago, my sponsor died, and I saw David, and I said, David, can I call you when I get jammed up? And he says, oh, Mike, call me when you're not jammed up. I always love talking to you. He made it so easy for me, you know? And uh, so I'd call him like three times a year when I'm jammed up. And then here comes Zoom and I'm going to Zoom on these meetings. And my God, there's David. David's calling his sponsor three times a week. Uh, another guy I know for 20 years, he's calling David every day. All these young guys are calling. I thought, shit, I never tried that, you know. So I started calling David and going to meetings. And I told David, I said, man, I've never felt better. He said, yeah, that's a solution. Go to a lot of meetings, call your sponsor often, you know. But you know, uh, God, I have to pray to call David. I don't know what to say to him. I feel inadequate. It's the same, you know, that 300 pound phone. I, I, I was calling him the other day. I called him because a guy calls me and I thought, well, I should call David. It's a chore to call him twice a week. And I, and I caught myself, God help me. Cause when the phone calls, I say, God help me to keep me out of it and let God try to come through, you know, cause I get off on my trips. So I say that prayer. I was saying that prayer when the phone was ringing for David and I told him about it and he just laughed, but he knows who I am, but it's still hard for me to call. And I don't know how I got on that trip, but thanks. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you, Mike. Denise, please go ahead. Hi, I'm Denise. I'm sexaholic. Uh, thank you so much, Mike. I just want to say that you really touched my heart. It was really heartwarming to hear your share. Um, and it brought me right back to the heart of the program, which is 
acceptance and that I'm not doing it, God is, you know, and that memory actually just, I had a very strong flashback in a positive sense of a time I was near the end of my acting out, but I wasn't quite there yet, you know, and I was standing outside a hostel and I was going to go in with somebody that I just, you know, met or whatever. And I was saying, God, I don't want to do this. You know, I don't want to do this, but I just knew I was going to do it, you know. So you just reminded me um, by by saying that. And there's a couple, lot of other things you said um, that really, really struck me um, that God is doing it, that I'm not doing it. And when I, you know, even that, like, you know, sometimes I get I'm very, very heady person. So I would be really into reading and doing all this stuff. And Sorry. actually, thank you. Um, actually just going to meetings is all you need to remember, really, you know, at the end of the day. So thank you for reminding. It was really nice to hear you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Denise. People, uh, fellows with less than 30 days of sobriety can also raise their hands. Lee, please go ahead. Well, I'm so shaky, I can't hit the microphone right. Uh, Michael, I want to tell you just to make a comment. I really liked what you shared in an envious in a way because I have an opposite problem. And that is I've got a doctorate degree and am able to understand everything uh, and accept this uh, program. And I asked the guy who was in charge of my treatment program, who uh, also had a doctorate degree, and he said, Lee, I've never seen anybody too dumb to get this program, but I've seen a lot of people too smart. And uh, every time I ask a question, they ask me, how do you feel about that, Lee? I always answered, I think. And, uh, you know, being in that experience and letting that run it is amazingly effective. I want to say thank you. And, uh, uh, I admire what you've got. Keep doing it. And I'm going to try to keep being dumber and dumber every time I could. So thanks a lot, Mike. Thanks, Lee. I feel for you. <laughs> I, I had a, I was trying to figure something out once. And my sponsor said, Mike, what would it take for you to be a retard? And then we both decided it wouldn't take much. So I was safe. Anyway, <laughs> thanks. Thank you, Mike. I also raised my hand. And uh, I wrote down two things that you said. You said, the longer I'm in the program, the bigger my higher power gets. And another thing that you said some, was something like, the spiritual side of the program is winning out despite of me. And that's really cool, those two things, because um, I'm wondering sometimes if I'm doing it right, if if I'm really, if my higher power is really working in my life but i have to say yeah my higher power is getting kind of bigger um thank god but um, a question is i'm i'm 13 13 years sober now and i'm struggling with a severe depression do you have any experience or if not any feedback on it thank you yeah thank you no, I, I suffered from depression years ago. I was housebound. I couldn't leave the house. But and here's the thing I forgot to tell uh, in this talk. Uh, for the whole time I was in Al-Anon for 12 and a half years, I smoked dope. And then when I got here for two and a half years, I smoked dope. So <laughs> I was probably depressed, but I couldn't even do Al-Anon straight. You know what I mean? 
it's like, uh, but no, I don't have any, I'm not depressed, but the best antidepressant I ever found was calling a sponsor, you know, and, uh, and I already forgot the gist of the question, but there was something I was going to say, uh, about my higher power getting bigger. I can't believe the enormity of a higher power. You know, I, I just can't get my head around. This guy is in charge of everything. You know, the, I have acceptance as the answer by my chair, and I read that a lot. And then on the other side, I have a little thing from Alan on let go and let God. And it's it's the antidote to overthinking stuff. And it's, it's, all, a, it's all about God, you know. Uh, it's just all about God. Uh, something special will happen today at this meeting. My sponsor said every, every time I go to a retreat, something special happens. Every time I'm connected with you people, something happens. Oh, here's what it was. I've always felt inadequate about my recovery. Uh, when Daniel T wanted me to share on that uh, fireside thing, I called my sponsor. I said, man, I said, I, you know, I heard Harvey and all those guys, God, they can explain the steps, you know, uh, all that stuff. And I can't. And, uh, David said that isn't what they want to hear. They want to hear what you're doing, Mike. And so that gave me uh, confidence. And then uh, the reception, I every time I talk, I feel inadequate. I feel inadequate today. Uh, when, when the lady asked me uh, the 11th step, man, I had to think, what the hell is that 11th step? <laughs> you know, it's like I, gotta, I don't have it as far as retaining stuff. The only thing I know is what I've been through. And everything I've turned over to God has turned out way better than I could have imagined. You know, I've lost a daughter in recovery. I've been, uh, I've been through financial straits in recovery. I was homeless in recovery. Uh, I did a hit and run in recovery, 15 years sober. And um, I don't forgot time to just take a second. This is the old me. My wife called him Mulehead. It allowed me... I could, I could go anywhere through a blizzard, uh, the worst neighborhoods in Detroit, Michigan. I was bulletproof, no fear. And, uh, and I, I, I was involved anyway in a hit and run with my truck. I was hauling cars and my trailer got, went right through a lady's door in her car. Anyway, I'm all hung up there. And, uh, you know, the, the lady, anyway, I called the police and she said, put some information on the car you damaged. And so I'm in my truck looking for a, a business card of mine. And I found one of a broker that burnt me for some money. So I put his card on the car I damaged and I drove off and I felt real good about it. I got away with it. You know, I went and delivered the car. I had a brand new Land Rover on my truck and I'm going to a Land Rover dealer a block away. And I got my name on my truck and I think nobody's going to know, you know, there's, it was a parade, the Rose parade, 300 people saw it. And I'm thinking I'm invisible. And I got home and uh, man, I had to clean all that up, you know, but on the way home, I thought, yeah, the real me is still alive. I'm tired of this surrender bullshit and all this. Stuff. This is like 15 years sober, man. And uh, I get on my meeting and I can't tell my wife because I've got stuff, uh, illegal past, you know, with, with the government and everything. So I can't mention it to her because she's afraid they're going to come and get us. And so I, I went to my meeting. I knew I had to tell him and I told him and a guy sponsor said, well, you're going to have to clean that up, aren't you? And I felt like slapping him, you know, and I said, yeah. But anyway, I cleaned that up and I talked to the police and I made a bullshit story to them. Then I talked to the lady whose car I damaged. And that's when I felt the, oh man, well, if I don't talk about it, it isn't real. When I heard her voice, I said, listen, I've got real good insurance and they're going to get a hold of you. 
and it was all over financial stuff. I had like a thousand dollar deductible. So my insurance company took care of her. And so I asked my insurance guy, I said, Hey, well, what was there? What's the deductible on that? He says there wasn't any, it was a collision. So I went through all that crap, but that's the old me that's still alive and well in there that I got to keep arrested, you know, the cheater, the liar. And then, uh, after that, I felt incomprehensible demoralization. I was sick. And, uh, Anyway, I started saying the seven step prayer, and it's the first time I ever heard take me good and bad. I never heard the word good in that before. You know, I never heard that word good. And I felt those feelings for a week and then they lifted, but I needed that. See, there's no mistakes. I needed that experience to feel compassion for the lady. And I saw once I talk about it, it becomes real. And I've been able to talk about stuff more now because if I don't talk about it, I got that. I don't have a conscience. I'm a. I'm a maniac that way. I'm I'm an addict, you know. Anyway, I'll shut up, but thanks. <laughs> I don't even remember your question now. <laughs> Thank you so much, Mike. Wonderful. Uh, I'm going to uh, let Hassan uh, ask his question. Please go ahead, Hassan. Hassan, are you still there? I'm not sure if I can see you. <clears throat> okay, if not, I share. Oh, yeah, I will share Hassan's question because he doesn't have privacy. I had misunderstood it. So, Hassan's question is how to love yourself, even if you don't have a long sobriety and you keep acting out and feel like there's no hope in yourself. And also, how about writing with yourself in recovery? So, two questions. How about loving yourself when you don't stay sober. Okay, we're we have an illness and we are totally powerless. We're not bad people. This is an illness. This isn't who I am. I have an addict brain and uh that's where it comes from. And this whole I think the whole purpose of this disease is to get me to connect with God because if he isn't there I'm screwed, you know. And and we're not bad people. We're sick. And the American Medical Society I think a couple of years ago uh, decided they, this is a disease now, like alcoholism. So we're not bad people. And I forget that. What was the second part? Thank you, Mike. The second question is, what about writing with yourself in recovery? Do you have any experience? Uh, writing, like uh, journaling? Yep, I guess so. Yeah, I don't journal. I can't read my own writing. <laughs> <laughs> I have to print. <laughs> but no, I've never been a journaler. And I always felt bad about that. But uh, it doesn't matter. Just God doesn't care. He loves me just as I am. That's another thing about yourself. God loves me at the height of my illness. He knows he likes O.J. Simpson. You know what I mean? The guy that killed his wife and boy, you know, well, I was told to do a gratitude list years ago. The only thing I could come up with, I wasn't O.J. Simpson. You know, I had no gratitude. <clears throat> but no, God loves me. Thank you, Mike. Yeah. Mina, please go ahead. I think that might be the last question. Yeah, I don't have a question, but uh, I want just a small, to make a small share or comment. Um, I knew Mike from uh, one year and a half uh, when he joined uh, our SA Gulf meeting and he had a share, nice share about Step 8 and 9. Before that, I was listening to the speaker tapes. And I was listening to his voice in the convention 1994 with his sponsor, Harry B. And I was wondering, oh, man, how I could find this guy. 
And uh, after a couple of weeks of from the, from his listening to his share, I found him in the Portland meeting. He said, "What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> If he's still alive? <laughs> That's awesome, man!" So I contacted him, and uh, we had a very nice meeting. Uh, still, all the SA Gulf fellows uh, listening to his speaker, and uh, I had learned from Mike um, that. The spiritual experience is very practical experience. I don't have to sense everything. I don't have to realize everything. But it's it's really a practical experience. That's all what I have. Thank you. Love you, Mina. Thanks. Thank you, Mina. This we could still go for one question. Anyone still has one question? One short comment. Martin says, "Holy, can I?" Go ahead, Martin. Good to see you. Yes, good. Uh, hi, everyone. Thank you, Mike, very much for your share. Yes, and I, I like that you are still in solution. But I would like to ask you if you have still some lost temptation and what do you do with them? Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, I don't. I don't have lust temptations. I noticed every woman on the street, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm not interested. I don't. I don't want to go back. You know. Uh, It's just I pray immediately if I get a lust hit, you know, God, take this thought. I want no part of it. And and it goes now. So that tells me I've come a long way because I used to pray and it wouldn't leave. You know, uh, I used to pray to God, get me sober, but I'd hope he'd wait till tomorrow, that kind of stuff. And, and I work with a lot of guys that and that's just a disease. It's a pro. This thing is a I'll get better the longer I'm in recovery. You mm. know. Yes, many thanks. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. So I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of the Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to the Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.